Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. This is Carrie Gillen. I'm a host on New Books and Language, part of the New Books Network. I'm also the co-host of the Vocal Fries podcast, the podcast about linguistic discrimination. Today I'll be talking to Dennis Barron about his book, What's Your Pronoun? Beyond He and She. This book tells the story of non-gendered pronouns in English. Today I have Dr. Dennis Barron, who is a professor of English and linguistics emeritus at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. His research focuses on the technologies of communication, language legislation and linguistics rights, language reform, gender issues in language, language standards and minority languages and dialects, English usage, and the history and presence of the English language, although now he's working on the legal side, so linguistics and the law. But today he's on to talk about his new book, What's Your Pronoun Beyond He and She? So welcome, Dennis. Oh, great great to be here, Carrie. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm glad we're doing this. I, I really enjoyed uh, reading your book. Well, thank you. It's very easy to read. Thank you. So that was nice. So first question, why did you want to write this book? Well, I had a collection of coined pronouns that I have been managing over over the years as, as a kind of side project. I wrote about it uh, 40 years ago. Uh, in a little article in American Speech. And then I came back to it a couple of years ago because we now have all these digitized databases of 18th and 19th century periodicals. And uh, it, it's, a great, it's a great resource. It's so much easier to, to find stuff. I found over 200 coined gender neutral. They used to call them common gender pronouns. Today mm-hmm. we add non-binary uh, to the designation to, to indicate uh, a person whose gender is unknown or irrelevant or needs to be concealed or or today someone whose gender is uh, trans or gender non-conforming or non-binary, you know, the variety of terms that, that, that fit that today. Yes. <laughs> so, a, so a I had the collection <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've got, you know, 200, 250 pronouns. Maybe I should actually say something about them, try to figure out what's going on here. So in, in addition to, I mean, the, the spark of it was this list of, of, you know, chronology of pronouns going back to the 1780s uh, and, and up, up to the present, but really, really focusing on the history of of the idea that gender pronouns are a thing and that pronouns are political and sorting out what the, what the politics has been over the centuries. I mean, it's centuries, absolutely a long, long time struggling with um, how to refer to people. Yes. I, I like, I like that you have a chronology at the very end of your book can you maybe give us like a overarching big picture of that chronology? 
Well, you start seeing calls for or 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 you know recognitions that that there's a word missing, that there's no uh, third person singular pronoun to cover uh, either a man or a woman, or or today we would add someone who's who's non-binary as well. But earlier on in the in the 1780s and 1790s and through the 19th century, the, the discussion was about including women in in um in a, a neutral pronoun and uh as early as as the 1790s somebody suggested well, let's take a you know we've got these dialect pronouns in england awe uh, and 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 words like that that people use for any person any animal anything it's it's, it's an all-purpose pronoun let's let's just make that the standard Pronoun and uh, in 1808, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, the essayist and poet, uh, proposes extending the use of it, the neuter pronoun, to to people. Uh, that didn't get much traction. Uh, in 1850, John Stuart Mill says we need a pronoun. I hate using the generic he because that leaves out half of my audience. Half the people in the world are excluded by generic he. He doesn't coin one, but, uh, or, or offer uh, a suggestion for borrowing it, but he notices the absence and he complains about it. And the earliest actual coined pronoun I found was in 1841. I'm sure there are earlier ones that, that haven't been turned, haven't turned up yet, but it's, it's simply the letter E, E, uh, coined by a doctor who got apparently bored with medicine. He had been a doctor for a whole year. And uh, instead, he wrote a, an English grammar book instead. And in that book, he's got uh, E-S and M, uh, E-E-S and E-M as the, he called the masculo-feminine pronouns. And the argument for E, uh, although he didn't explain it, but later on other people coined E, suggested E, and said, well, all the other vowels have their own word. Uh, I is the, you know, the first person singular pronoun. Uh is the indefinite article. O is the exclamation. The letter U is short for the word U. This they were saying before texts speak. And, and, um, so why not E? Let's give E its own word and, uh, we need a pronoun. So, uh, a neutral pronoun. So let's, let's just plug in that E and, and go from there. No, so yeah, that's a really interesting, um, chronology. So the, at one point you mentioned that there were, uh, basically gen- what we would call gender neutral pronouns now, uh, in some dialects of, of English in the UK. Can, can you talk a little bit about those again? Well, there, you know, I, I think as a language historian that they are all offshoots of the original aspirated uh, pronouns, the heo, hey, and, and hit, which have lost their aspirations over the course of, Time they were, you know, we're talking about the written language. They're spelled with an H initially, and when that H stops being pronounced, it stops appearing in the spelling as well. And so we get a word like "all," which you know in the U.S. is just a you know a filler "all," 
uh, in the UK can can function as as a pronoun. There, there there's an, uh, uh, a a clipping that we use for the third person uh, plural uh, pronoun M E M, often with an apostrophe before it. Uh, Harry Truman's uh, one of his election campaign slogans was "Give him hell, Harry." And uh, that EM is usually, uh, by most people, considered to be a, a clipping of them, T-H-E-M. But I think it really is, is a holdover from when the third person plural was hem, spelled H-E-M, and then it lost its aspiration and it became M. Uh, the TH pronouns are actually quite new in English, given the history. They, they come in in late Old English borrowed from Old Norse, because all those uh, third-person pronouns beginning in H or the, the sound uh, started to sound alike, and there was a lot of ambiguity, a lot of confusion. So English borrowed the TH that gives us they, their, and them from Old Norse. Is that kind of way of, of clearing up the ambiguity. I mean, people complain that singular they is ambiguous. You don't know if it's one person or more than one person, but, you know, it was brought in to clear up an earlier ambiguity, and we live with pronoun ambiguity all the time. Uh, no reason why we can't decide who, whether uh, them, they, them, theirs is singular or plural based on context or asking a question or some other clues. The same way we know that you is either singular or plural, depending. Yes. And as you point out, sing, uh, singular you, or yeah, singular you, which originally was... Singular you is an innovation. You know, it, it appears in the 17th century. Before that, we had thou, thee, and thy. You know, thou art, get thee to a nunnery, Hamlet tells Ophelia. Uh, thy kingdom come, uh, those sort of biblical slash Shakespearean pronouns uh, got got pushed out of the way by singular you. And and people at the time complained that, you know, you can't use a plural pronoun to to refer to a singular. It's going to create confusion. Uh, George Fox wrote an entire book attacking people who use singular you. Uh, called them idiots, fools, and unlettered people. But, but you know, it was a losing proposition, and nobody wants to bring back thou, thee, and thy. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's really interesting that we see the same exact arguments being made over and over again, Un- exactly. unsurprisingly. Exactly. I'm so- <laughs> but- yeah, I mean, there's a limited number of arguments that you can bring to this. It's ambiguous, it's ungrammatical. Well, it's totally grammatical. It's been grammatical in English since the 14th century, singular they. So uh, why does it matter that English lacks a singular gender neutral or generic or common gender or whatever you want to call it, third person pronoun? Or did until now. (laughs) I mean, to, to, to be quite frank, it matters because people think it matters. Right. If people weren't bothered by it, then it wouldn't matter. Uh, There are plenty of things that we are not bothered by. Uh, We're not bothered by the uh, 
the fact that you say I walk, you walk, they walk, we walk, but he, she, it walks. You know, why do we need that uh, particular conjugation of the third person present singular of the verb? Uh, serves no useful function. Uh, but uh, it's there and nobody, nobody really thinks to delete it. Uh, the main reason is inclusivity. If you use pronouns and they seem to exclude people, you got a problem. And uh, the generic masculine, as you know, John Stuart Mill pointed out, is really generic in name, but not in function. It more often than not means only men. Uh, does not include women. And uh, the alternative, he or she which nobody ever liked because they said it was uh, awkward and ugly and too long. And today it's also too binary. Uh, it does not include uh, gender non-conforming persons, trans persons. So uh, a lot of interest in, in the last 20, 30 years has refocused on either a coined pronoun or uh, more, more frequently on singular they. You know, both Merriam-Webster and the OED have re-edited their um, definitions of singular they to add a non-binary sense uh, to the words. So initially it was just for indefinites, members of a class, like everybody forgets their password. That's, uh, that's what we I use in the book. But or you know the writer dot 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 they or the the grammarian dot 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 they, but now also uh, for a known individual who's gender non-conforming, Alex likes their burger medium well. So you mentioned earlier also that um, pronouns are political, and and I just. Wondering, is there any other part of speech that is political, or is it just pronouns? Well, I mean, language is political as well as social, and and so on. But but one of the things I I have been uh, looking at is the politics of pronouns in the nineteenth century, because I mean they're political now in the sense that people. Uh, focus on pronouns as a way of uh, talking about contemporary gender issues uh, and, and linguistic rights and, and human rights and in inclusivity and, you know, the right to uh, be called by an appropriate pronoun. It's like being called by an appropriate title or by an appropriate name. Uh, rather than one that is insulting or derogatory or simply not applicable to you. But in the 19th century, the, the pressure was on interpreting he in legislation to decide whether or not it included she. Uh, and one of the things that happened was uh, because he was ambiguous, because it wasn't necessarily clear in a law, whether uh, women were included uh, in 1850 in the United Kingdom, in 1867 in Canada, and in 1871 in the U.S., all three governments 
passed legislation, which said, among other things, that when a word that refers to men appears in a law, in a statute, it includes women as well. So uh, what happened in the U.S. and in the U.K. was that suffragists seized on this legal uh, justification for the generic masculine, that he includes she, and argued this. If he in the penal law, in the criminal statute, means that a woman can also be punished for committing a crime, he includes she, then he in the voting law means that a woman can vote. Unfortunately, judges and legislators did not buy that argument. They were all men at the time. And they said, well, yes, certainly he is uh, generic when it comes to obligations and penalties, uh, paying your taxes, going to jail, but not when it means, not when it refers to a right or a privilege like voting or becoming an attorney or uh, practicing medicine. There, each right has to be specifically conferred by the law uh, to, to women. So uh, that, was, that was their way of wriggling out of what was really a, a legal uh, precedent that, that he includes she. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting discussion. Um, you, said, you said something like men in power accepted the generic masculine only when it didn't require them to give up too much. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, Susan B. Anthony argued in a speech uh, in 1872 to an Illinois suffragist rally. She said, um, well, if, if, if um, he in the voting law doesn't include women, then he and the penal law should not include women either. If a woman commits murder, let the husband be hung for it. You know, we've got, got to interpret the law consistently. That's, that's the point. What are some of the strategies that have been used to create or adopt new gender neutral pronouns? So, um, I mean, the, the strategies initially were simply people saying, hey, we need a word. Uh, I suggest this. And uh, some of them actually sparked discussion. Some of the word coiners were well-known people. So in 1884, Charles Converse, who was a, a famous composer, he wrote very uh, quite, a, quite a few well-known hymns. He was the author of What a Friend We Have in Jesus, for example, which is a hymn that even I have heard of. And uh, he proposed thon, T-H-O-N. It's a blend of that and one. And he said, this is, this is the word we need. It's a, it includes men and women. It's, we can use it when we don't know uh, the referent uh, or when we want to include both men and women. In, in the scope of what we're saying, it's efficient, it'll save time, it'll save money. And he announced this in a literary journal, and it sparked a national discussion. People said, oh, what a great idea. And, and he got letters of support from uh, Harvard philologists, the president of Rutgers. Uh, people flocked to, to Don. And, and, and another group of people said, yeah, we need a word. You're absolutely right. We need a word. 
but not that one. That one's terrible. It's ugly. It will be confused with thou, uh, which at the time when I when I first saw that objection, I said, oh, "Who's going to confuse thon and thou?" But then I I found a whole bunch of newspaper articles reporting on thon, and they spelled it t h o u. So. Um, uh, either a, a proofing error or an editorial error or somebody actually got confused and said, oh, they're trying to bring back thou. Okay, let's let's use that. So so people who said we need a word but we don't like thon came up with other proposals. Like uh, one guy uh, wrote into the journal and said, how about le, L-E, from French? Despite the fact that le is a masculine article in French that, you know, can be a gender neutral pronoun in English. Somebody suggested IP, I-P, uh, which I, I give the prize as the cutest pronoun ever uh, coined. And uh, her argument was uh, it, the advantage of IP is it looks like Latin, but it's not Latin. This is supposed to be a plus. Uh, I guess Latin is supposed to impress people, but, you know, people are also afraid of classical languages. And so since it's not really Latin, that made it more acceptable. But nobody picked up on on that. And then there were a bunch of people who said, no, we don't need a pronoun. We've got he. He is perfectly fine. He is generic. People like Richard Grant Wright, who was the William Sapphire of the 19th century, said, uh, we don't need no stinking pronouns. We got one. If English needed a pronoun, it would have invented one long ago. <laughs> but that doesn't work because some places did invent. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, fa- the fact that, okay, the pronouns didn't catch on, the coined ones. They had small groups of, of fans who used them. Uh, but they kept getting invented which tells me that people felt a need for them, even though they didn't feel they had the right one, one that got enough people using it. There is a need there. There is a felt need that, that something's missing. And I mean, my conclusion is that singular they is, is the word that sort of fits all, all of these needs and yet uh, people still, some people are still uncomfortable with it. I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago and the host said, well, anybody who, who wants me to use their pronoun, I am happy to use it. Uh, I, I want, you know, I want, I want to honor their pronouns, but singular they is wrong deep in my heart. I know singular they is wrong. So, I mean, there, there are people who, who still resisted, but they feel that, that something's missing. Yeah, I, I've definitely encountered this resistance. A lot of people have told me that it's ungrammatical, which, as you've said, is not the case. It's not the case, but, you know, it, it's it's an easy argument to raise. Even, and, 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 and when you tell them why it's grammatical, that it's been in popular usage among well-respected writers since the 14th century, they reject that uh, and say, oh, well, you know, it's still ungrammatical. Even, you know, the whole argument, uh, the best writers make mistakes. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, Fowler said that, uh, you know, Bishop Louth said that back in the 18th century. So that's common. Okay, he, he, you can't prove this by saying, okay, Jane Austen used it or Dickens used it or Shakespeare used it. You know, they made mistakes. <laughs> They're human. It's wrong. <laughs> I mean, yes, we're all mis- humans and we all make mistakes, but that's not definitely not an argument. <laughs> that's not, yeah, it, 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 it's grammatical it's- if you accept as grammatical what most people do. Yeah, it's grammatical if people use it this way. And we do, most of us. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've we got you and you, singular and plural. Uh, we find that perfectly grammatical. We've got the singular we. We are not amused. It's <laughs> the royal we being spoken by one person. So uh, plenty of precedent for a plural pronoun used to refer to a singular or used by, you know, a single speaker. Uh, what's the big deal? There's, yeah, there's definitely no big deal. I mean, they, I've been using singular, they probably my entire life. Um, but the, the non-binary mm-hmm. use is, is newer for me, for sure. That's newer, absolutely newer. And people who object to singular, they use it. This is one of, one of Barron's laws of English usage. If somebody objects to something and you listen to them or read what they wrote long enough, you will find that they use it. Uh, objecting to something is usually a sign that it's too late to do anything about it. Uh, that's another one of Barron's laws of English usage. I love it. This uh, is both very true. Um, I remember uh, the, contractions is something that people, uh, not contractions themselves, but there's a lot of, or there's mm. uh, five people on the road or something like that, which is, you know, tech, well, if you're a grammarian, right. a purist, it's a, it's a mistake because you have, there are. Yeah, you're supposed to say there are, yeah. but there are. basically everyone who complains about it, you can, yeah, you can find them saying it in speech because it's just, it's, it's just, yeah, a very common thing that we all do. So, right. You, you can't afford singular. They, uh, you know, you got a phone call. Oh, did they leave a message? You know, what did they want? Uh, you don't say, what did he or she want? What did he want? You, you know, you, it, it, it's the default pronoun. Many of these uh, other other non-binary, uh, gender-neutral uh, pronouns have, have not really taken on, like, like not very many people use any of them. There's a few that that are, are used more commonly than others. Right. Z in here and uh, occasionally you'll see an E. Uh, and so, so here's the, here's the thing. Uh, I guess I'm anticipating what you're going <laughs> to You are, but it's fine. <laughs> but, but, you know, a couple of them like Thon and, and um, here, his, or, and himmer which that, that one was proposed by Ella Flagg Young, who was the first woman superintendent of the Chicago Public Schools and the first woman president of the National Education Association. She was a, you know, a major educational figure, uh, offered here, his, or, and him in 1912 at a meeting of school principals. And she told the principals to go back to their schools and get the teachers to use here, his, and him hear his or himmer and get the teachers to get their students to use it. This was a great idea. And uh, some people thought it was a good idea. Some people didn't. But Isaac Funk put it, put here, his or and himmer in the new standard dictionary in 1913, in the very next year. 
is very quick for yeah. a new word like that yeah. to make it into a dictionary. And uh, you could look it up in your Funk and Wagnalls. Uh, Vaughn was included in Webster's New International Dictionary, the second Webster's second. Uh, but it was dropped from Webster's third because nobody used it, uh, or not enough people used it. So, so, uh, and, and, you know, jumping to the present, the 2015 U.S. Trans Survey uh, had a section on pronoun choice, and most trans respondents to the survey used either he or she, the binary pronoun of, of their gender. Uh, uh, I think it was something like 30% used he, 30% used she, uh, a smaller percentage, about 20 plus percent used singular they, and only 5% or so used a coined pronoun, one of many coined pronouns, and a similarly small percent used no pronoun at all. So uh, the coined pronouns are still in the mix, uh, even though they're not widely used, they are used, uh, you know, 5% is uh, a small percentage, but it's a, you know, a significant number of people using these, these pronouns. So uh, that suggests we have multiple solutions currently to the what's your pronoun question, including no pronoun at all. Uh, people, there, you've got to remember that there are people who don't want to answer the question, mm-hmm. who don't want to say their pronouns, uh, for whatever reason, they're not ready to, they haven't decided which one, or uh, they object to being asked. There are people who attack the pronoun question by making up pseudo-pronouns. You know, the student at the University of Michigan who's being offered to, uh, allowed to, you know, indicate his, pron- his pronoun, uh, on registration material said, oh, my pronoun is his majesty, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so people, you know, make a joke out of it or, or to resist it, but still, uh, it's a serious, uh, concern and pronouns are appearing more and more, not just on people's email signatures and on their, uh, conference badges, but on registration forms of all kinds, Uh, We've got a conference coming up at the university this spring in agronomy, not not just agronomy, but digital agronomy. I have no idea what (laughs) digital agronomy is. Me either. (laughs) But but I have a a friend who's um, a botanist, and she sent me the registration form, and it has a slot for indicating your pronoun. So digital agronomists are woke enough to ask conference participants what their pronouns are. And, you know, that's pretty cool. I have a really, um, I mean, it's related, but it's slightly different question. So you mentioned French, how there's, there are um, attempts also to create a, a gender neutral pronoun in French. But my question is more about the agreement. So I'm, I'm, I've been asking this and nobody can answer this question. And maybe you can. So there's, if, if I were to say I'm ready, I would say, je suis prête. And because and, I'm, 
I'm a woman, I identify as female. Um, and you, I assume, would say je suis play. Um, but a non-binary person, what do they do with that? <laughs> Is there like a third way of saying, I am ready? Right. So, um, okay, I, I don't pretend to be an expert on other languages, but I, I've read a little bit about what's going on in French, a little bit about what's going on in Spanish. And, and from what I gather in French, there, there, there were some, some coin gender neutral pronouns. Um, the French equivalent of, of our department of labor uh, issued uh, some guidelines for uh, basically gender neutral writing, uh, asking people to be fair and inclusive in their writing. But the main concern that I seem to gather is, is going on in France is for, for, uh, in the in the realm, not not so much in, in in terms of agreement, but in in terms of uh, masculine and feminine job titles or positions. So you know, professor uh, is, is a, a masculine word. Should a woman who's a professor be professeuse, la prof, uh, as well as le prof? And, and the idea is to make women more visible. How they deal with non-binary issues in French. I have no idea. I have not come across discussions of that. I'm sure there are. I just haven't haven't researched it. So there's the it, it, the binary issues there are rather than having a neutral title like server that we use instead of waiter and waitress, they want to uh, make women in particular roles more visible. Uh, I'm I'm not sure what they do with men in traditionally female roles in, in terms of French job titles, but I assume there's a parallel uh, that goes on there. In Spanish, I think, from what what I know, and I don't speak Spanish, I, I have read a little bit about it, but I I, I can't say that I, I, I even you know, know much Spanish except by in translating it through what I know from French. But but there the the attempts seem to be to come up with a coming up with a kind of neutral ending. Uh, in in writing, a, a lot of people use the at sign uh, instead of a vowel, so that you avoid the masculine versus feminine vowel business in 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 terms of Spanish agreement, and. Um, Another option is a, a neutral vowel like like uh, instead of a ah or o. Uh, so uh, the a ah is feminine, the o is masculine, and the uh is uh, non-binary or non-gender specific. And and this is a movement among younger people in uh, Central and South American Spanish. I'm not sure how prominent it is in European Spanish. Yeah, I understand it's from Argentina and yeah, it's not used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you read Samantha Schmidt's article in the post. Yeah. She she did some work on that. Yeah, it's it's all it's really interesting to see what languages do with, with more overt expressions of gender than English cuz it for us it's mm -hmm. basically yeah, there's obviously 
job titles, but mostly for us, it's it's the pronouns. Um, but in other languages, it's different. Right. I mean, in English used to have gendered nouns and 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 adjective agreement, but we lost that long, long ago. And and you know, so. Uh, um, let's see. So I, you know, one of the things that I found really fascinating about, about this conversation, and it's so, it's so interesting that like, we just take pronouns like this one sliver of language and it actually can mm-hmm. be revealing of, of all these political things as maybe all linguists expect. But, um, the fact that the, fir- the very first law banning women from voting in the UK was 1832 seems very late. Mm. <laughs> It is. It is. It, it is. Uh, uh, and and in fact, there are records of women voting uh, much earlier, uh, but not not all the time. And it was more common, for example, for women to vote in local elections. And the 1832 uh, reform bill basically uh, was about parliamentary elections. And the, the, the English voting laws are all really about parliamentary elections or national, the local, local elections where, you know, who could vote was decided on a, on a local basis very often before that. But yeah, the, the 1832 voting was re- restricted to male persons. Uh, and uh, one of the reforms proposed in, uh, in 1868, when they reconsidered the, the bill was to replace male person with the word man because man could be interpreted as gender neutral. And some of the MPs actually, uh, the the more feminist-minded or suffrage-minded MPs, wanted to just ditch male and just use the word person because person was clearly gender neutral, whereas man could be ambiguous. But Parliament would have nothing to do with it. It, it, it wasn't until uh, you know the early 20th century that the British gave some women in 1918, some property-holding women were granted the vote. In 1928, all women were granted the vote. Yeah, I just I it makes it makes sense like. Once you talk about, you know, that the actual history of voting and everything, but just that fact alone, it just stands out like this is interesting. And, yeah. Right. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. Uh, are there any. Go ahead. So what, you know, I mean, I it, it raises the question and, and, you know, someone who knows more about British history and British voting history might wonder why they picked that moment to kick women out of the polling places were more and more women voting at the time. Did somebody say, Hey, what if a woman wanted to, what if a woman wanted to vote? Maybe we better prevent that before it happens. I mean, I don't know what the, what the thinking was in parliament for doing that. Yeah. That was my guess is that something women were mm-hmm. trying to do things that they weren't trying to do before. And- what was the spark? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, are there any questions that I should ask you? I mean, one one of the things that happened in the U.S. too was in in 1845. You've got and people starting and and the two two male abolitionists, both of them 
very well known at the time, arguing over whether he in the Constitution means a woman can't be president. And this is, you know, this is early for, for this kind of discussion. This is before the U.S. passed a he means she law at the federal level. Uh, Lysander Spooner said, look at Article 2 in the Constitution, which details the qualifications and the duties of the president, calls the president he. This means a woman can't be president. And when Wendell Phillips said, yeah, but look at the Fifth Amendment, no person shall be required to give testimony against himself. That's a masculine pronoun, but but it it always includes women. Women have the right to be to remain silent as well as men. Uh, and and if, if it's inclusive, if the masculine pronoun is inclusive in one part of the Constitution, it's got to be inclusive anywhere it appears in the Constitution. The word can't mean different things in different parts of the Constitution. That's, that's settled constitutional interpretation. Uh, and, but it came up again in, 19, in, in 2016 during the primaries when Hillary Clinton was, was a, a candidate in the primaries before the actual election campaign. Uh, somebody wrote into a newspaper saying, well, uh, don't, don't even bother running Hillary Clinton because she can't be president. Article 2 says he and the Constitution has to be interpreted literally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... We're going to get a chance to test yeah. that one day. I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm hopeful too. <laughs> and it, and it won't be a problem because in 1916, the issue was raised because uh, representatives in the Constitution are called he. And uh, when Jeanette Rankin was elected to as the first member of the House of Representatives from Montana, 1916, five women ran. For the House that year, and she was the only one who won her race. Some several newspapers warned that she would not be allowed to be seated because the Constitution says he, and it was a non-issue. It n- never, never was raised. Uh, she was seated. She served out her term. She did a great so, job. So, um, speaking of things like that, the, the, no one brought a case to the, like the Supreme Court, court or anything about it, right? 